Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized companies and organizations by helping them design world-class strategic plans, but more importantly, help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. To learn more, go to 40strategy.com. We're really excited about our new guest, Trent Gillespie. He has over 20 years of hands-on innovation and technical leadership experience, including almost nine years of senior management at a little known company called Amazon. He, during his Amazon tenure, he managed the global expansion efforts across all businesses and geographies, created and led the global Alexa Privacy Risk, Compliance and Technology Group. And he also managed the global innovation and project portfolios for Amazon Last Mile Technology and Finance Operations. Trent, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, Trent, I love it when people are involved in innovation, creating new ideas. Tell us a little bit more in depth about what you're doing today and how you're trying to help other organizations out. Yeah, happy to. You know, I was at Amazon, as you said, for about nine years. And when I was there, I did a whole bunch for that company. And I decided during COVID that I needed to do something else. Right. It was a good opportunity for, I think, a lot of people to reevaluate what they were doing. And I decided to leave and then figure out how I could take what I learned at Amazon around innovation to other people and organizations. Because ultimately, I believe that innovation is really one of the most valuable skills that anybody can learn. And I think in the kind of new era of technology and AI and cloud and robots and all these things, the only people that are going to succeed or maybe succeed most are those that know innovation, of course, as leaders. That means you need to know it. You need to build organizations for it to be successful. So we're just going to pop into a little bit because it was one of those little top of mind things that AI just kind of recently is taken to the next level. So for those in the audience who perhaps are not AI experts, from, from a layman term perspective, what has changed in AI most recently and, and why is that poised to really change the way how businesses are working together? Well, a really great question. Now, I'm not an AI expert, just to be clear. I'm, I, I really have used it for years. I mean, of course, Amazon is huge in AI in Alexa, very much based on machine learning AI just across the board. But I was not the guy that built AI, but I had to manage programs, projects that used it. Certainly, I'm aware of it. And what I'm really looking for is how it's going to change things in the future. To answer your question, what's changed recently? Chat GPT came out right? This is generative AI. Now, people that don't know what this means, ultimately, it means that generative AI is able to ultimately predict what the next word in something is going to be. And so it appears to be a writer, right? So you can go to it and be like, write me a song about innovation, write me a song about something, or write me an email to my CEO about this situation. And it will go and do it, you know, within just a few seconds, it can go and do these things. And that has created this new ability that is bringing AI and machine learning to the masses, right? 
And that's the really big thing that has changed that not until now has the average consumer been able to go out and just use these tools that the big corporations have had. And it's become very mind blowing because of that accessibility. So let's, this is where what I think it's interesting about this is often in the past when I talk with guests about AI, it was well, only the big companies are really doing it or small companies are able to take advantage of it because they're buying other companies' technology, right? That's taking place. Mm -hmm. So how do you foresee these examples, right? Where perhaps a, I'll try to use an example here, a small to medium-sized manufacturer, right? Is working and they have a West Coast customer base that they're selling their products towards how, what, you know, I know that these are tough examples, right? To be able to use, but how would they start being able to take advantage of AI that they couldn't beforehand because it's too cost prohibitive? Well, I think there's a lot of different potential use cases for AI. So just to be really clear, the, the easiest one is cost reduction through in, improved productivity of your workers, right? And so that is where I think ChatGPT is really starting to come in now because any worker can use it. Okay. This doesn't mean you need to go buy a whole new platform. You don't need to go redo your assembly line. Literally, it is your sales team can start figuring out who they should sell to, right? Your marketing team doesn't need to go out and spend as much time creating new marketing materials. They can just ask the system to write a marketing strategy, right? You know, it, it's very easy to any individual. I relate it to like the word processor, right? When computers came out, of course, they replaced typewriters. Microsoft made Microsoft Word. Now, all of a sudden, everybody could use these capabilities and it was easy and they became more productive. That is the same thing that ChatGPT is right now, right? So you can use it as a knowledge worker to improve what you're doing on a moment by moment or hour by hour task basis. That's where most small and mid-sized companies should be starting. They should have somebody looking at this saying, hey, what can I do right now to start taking advantage of this technology? Now, the second thing is how to use it for innovation, right? Now, I'm now focused 100% on innovation and AI is really, I, I think, gonna be a big driver of that. And the question is how do those organizations use AI for innovation, right? This is how to create new products, reduce the cost of the products you're building. There's a lot there to explore, probably more detail we wanna get into here, but ultimately, I'd say, look for opportunities of organizations that can support you with tools and products that include machine learning and AI in them. It's going to be more useful, I think, for a small, mid-sized company to get products that are investing in those technologies themselves and incorporating it into the platform you're using than you going out and trying to necessarily do it from scratch, because there's still a lot of people and resources you need to bring on and expertise you need to build. So get your platform providers to do it first. Hopefully that answers your question. It, it does. And, I, and I'm curious, you know, from the perspective, because I keep on going back to, you know, a, a lot of times I feel the small and medium-sized company has just kind of avoided or not worried about some of these things. But is this something that they should be worried about? Like, meaning if they're not doing it compared to their manufacturer in the next city that's selling a competing product and they're using it, do you think that it's time for them to start getting actually worried now? It is absolutely the time. Now, and, and what I've been doing in the last three, four months, I've actually been changing my business strategy a little bit because, again, I work on innovation. And innovation as a subject is 
it's kind of hard because it means so many different things to so many different people, right? What has happened though, when we start talking about AI is all of a sudden it's creating some urgency because people are hearing like, oh, all this stuff is going on and humans are going to be replaced by robots and it's a big dystopia, right? And so people do need to be worried. Now, I don't worry about dystopia, but I do worry about businesses not being prepared for what is coming. And so this is where I've started to switch my business over the last couple of months to, to get leaders to understand this is huge. It is here and you need to move quickly because in my opinion, there's never been this much change about to occur that's impacted businesses as will occur in the next five years. I think literally you've got five years to respond as a business owner, or you might be out of business. I mean, it's, it's that significant of a change that's coming. Wow. That's, that's not a small comment you know, that no. you just made there. So let's, let's go into your expertise of innovation. And I'm, I'm curious from this perspective of here you were at Amazon for nearly a decade, which is like 30, 30 years somewhere else. You go through a lot of iterations, a lot of experiences, massive growth in different places. What were some of the, when, when it came to innovation specifically, and once again, what you could properly share, what were some of the key lessons that you've taken out with that you now use as a driver to help make sure other organizations can be successful with their creating new products, opportunities, right, for it to grow in their business? Yeah, a really great question. That's actually what I spent most of the time thinking about when I left Amazon, because when I left Amazon, I didn't really have a plan. I just said, you know what? It's COVID, the world's changing. I've been doing this and killing myself. It's time to do something different, right? So I quit. And what I realized though, is Amazon and really the big tech companies, at the end of the day, they're innovators, right? And what they're doing is they have figured out these systems of innovation that are working really well. It's creating value. It's creating money for shareholders, stockholders, you know, employees, communities, all these things. And they're better at it than anybody else. And so what I said is, how can I take this and figure out how to bring it to other organizations? And it really starts with the first thing of understanding that innovation is a systemic thing. Okay. And what I mean by that is most business leaders, when they think of innovation, they usually say, well, we're innovative. That's just kind of how we are, right? There's no real specific focus on it. Or they might hire one person who's going to go and manage an innovation project, right? But the rest of the organization doesn't change. So the big thing you can learn in looking at like an Amazon or you know, Microsoft or Google is that they built innovation into every component of their business. That's how they became successful because when you hire people that are innovative people, you train your leaders on innovation, you incent people to do innovation, right? You, you structure your resource allocation to do appropriate innovation, right? And you build basically your entire organization's DNA around innovation, you get the results of these big companies. And so the big thing I tell leaders is you can structure your company around innovation right now. It's actually not that hard to do. And so you're not gonna be an Amazon next year. Maybe it's gonna take you five years or 10 years, right? Or 30 years, Amazon's now 30 years old, right? But you can get started but you have to start with understanding what innovation is and then building your own innovation system at your organization to, to take advantage of it. So Trent, one of the 
most interesting books there is is called Innovator's Dilemma by Clayton Christensen, where he talks about the concept of where organizations are trying to create disruptive technologies. And as a result, sometimes they don't want to continue to move forward because it's cannibalizing their existing sales and those existing operations, right? So people are a bit afraid to actually take new challenges with what they're doing. What is your perspective on why organizations are or are not taking innovation? Yeah, well, it's a really great question. Clayton Christensen is awesome. You know, I love him. He has really been one of the most notable people in this space and setting innovation theory for years. You know, I think the first thing is, is to separate disruptive innovation from sustainable innovation, right? And so disruption is when people are, I think, really asking the question you asked, like, how do we go out and get our whole organization to think about this new thing that's going to cannibalize our business or who is going to disrupt us as an organization, right? And it's a super important thing to think about. But I actually think more about organizations needing to first, first get good at sustaining innovation. And sustaining innovation, what that is, is how can you just make incremental improvements every day that move you further to what your goals are? How do you get better every day in every position for every task that you're working on? And that is actually where most organizations make the majority of their innovation right? Even Amazon, I mean, I manage tons of projects there, global projects, and I estimate half their projects failed and it came down even worse for disruptive projects. They actually suck at disruptive projects, okay? Things like Amazon Fire Phone, you know, there's been a number over the years where they've just canceled and shut them down altogether. There was Amazon Local, which was the Groupon competitor. There's been a bunch of these things. They don't do very good at it because what Amazon's core strength is, is the continual improvement, okay? And they have built a more than trillion dollar company through those incremental improvements. So in that example of your leaders trying to figure out how to reorient their organization, I'd say first, don't worry about jumping to a disruptive innovation. Start with figuring out how you can get your company to just do well on its incremental stuff every single day. That gets your flywheel spinning very fast, like in the, the Good to Great book behind you there, right? You get a flywheel, you make changes, you put an extra spin into every single day, your company will grow. And then you start to also work on disruptive opportunities and that together will make you really successful. Going along the same concepts from Clayton Christensen is a challenge of, and I've run into this with other companies, with smaller, small, medium-sized companies where everyone's incentive is tied to the thing that's making them money, right? It's it's their baby. It's their core concept. It's what they've been doing for 10 years. They're a leader in their respective micro industry that they're involved with. And so then somebody comes in with an innovative idea and their concern is, hey, that's not what's making us money. That's not what's bringing us our bonuses. That's not what's creating you know, my salary increase for the next year. How do you create a culture and environment that will embrace innovation, whether it be continuous improvement or new products, so they don't feel like it's threatening their take-home pay? Hmm. Interesting. You know, most people, when I talk about this, they don't really talk about it in the terms of threatening their take-home pay as much. But I think the direct answer is change your incentive program to, to reward them for those types of activities right? A lot of incentive programs are rewarding that wrong long-term behavior because they say, hey, 
you'll get a bonus for delivering a project next month or by hitting your target next quarter or, you know, whatever it is. And I've been guilty of this in the past as well. You know, for my, when, when I have an incentive to deliver something this month or this year, I'm going to do whatever I can to get the incentive, even if it means a lesser quality product, okay? A lesser quality change or, or whatever manipulation I need to do to try to get that because it serves me personally, right? And so the incentive change is, how can you actually change people to think longer term? You know, and I use Amazon a lot because I think it's a great model. Not to say everybody should follow everything at all. It's not perfect, but they think in five to seven year terms. Okay. They give stock as the significant part of your compensation because they want you invested in long-term success of the organization, not what is going to happen this year. Okay. And I don't know if people know this and it's just changed recently in the last year, but it used to be that Amazon leaders could only make $160,000 per year in cash. And it had been that way for 20 years, I think. Last year, they decided to change it for the first time in ages, right? And so now it's a little bit more flexible due to the economy and whatnot. But even to the highest levels, that's the most you would make on an annual basis, right? Everything else was tied to your long-term performance, right? And the performance of the company. So that's one extreme of how you can change incentives from a, a compensation perspective, but there's certainly other things you can do, right? And you've got to just change those incentives to, to make it happen. No, I love that. And I love that kind of, I bet, I bet you people are listening right now going, wow, you know, because often we'll hear the case of, oh, we need to just keep on throwing money right at something. But if we create, once again, incentives are to match the long-term, whether there be equity or not. So let's say you have a privately held company, you have a single owner, but they have lots of employees, right? And they aren't, and I know you're not necessarily an expert in long-term compensation, but I'm kind of curious, what type of thing would you consider where they're not planning to give up any equity, right? But they want to create a way where people are going to be more interested in that long-term perspective. What are some things have you heard of or thought that once again, the whole goal here, right, is to align people to doing work and actions to create long-term value? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, certainly I think about the cash compensation first, right? You know, so profit sharing, you know, of course, that's going to go down to fixed wages, but I think there's something around setting different goals, right, for the organization. Most importantly, and I think this becomes a little bit about why the business exists, but what is the mission of the business, right? You know, and is this something that employees are enthusiastic to support because it's a bigger impact, right? Not just putting money into the owner's pocket, right? And if you can demonstrate that there's really a good purpose that employees can get behind, they will see that as long-term investment, right? You know, so I think there's a number of things that can do. Again, I'm not like a, a compensation specialist or anything, but you can incentivize people, right? There's a lot of different ways to do it. It's not the only way that you make this happen because I think it actually starts with first hiring the right people, mm. right? I talk to government groups and this is a particular challenge that comes up when I, when I do because, you know, they, they don't, from my knowledge, I mean, I, I worked at the Postal Service like 25 some odd years ago in, in, in high school, so I can't really say, but they tip, I would say, aren't assumed to hire people based on the capability of innovation, mm-hmm. right? And so when you hire people and you're not looking for how well they can be innovative, the result is your workforce is going to not be as innovative. That's it, 
And so as a leader, you know, the first thing is when you're hiring somebody, get in the hiring process, get with HR and whoever else and figure out what questions can you ask that will reveal if these people are going to be innovative. Okay, so that leads to an interesting question, right? So we, we do Gallup Strengths Finder, right, to help understand whether people potentially have these type of strengths and talents naturally. When you're how do you, how are you discovering, right, that that somebody has from your questions that you recommend that they're going to actually find somebody who has quote unquote creative talent? And then also, perhaps this is a secondary question the willingness to get through the challenges, right? To get from something in the innovation, ideation down to execution. Yeah, you know, I, I go back to Amazon as a model because I think it's worked so well, right? And Amazon's interview questions are online. You can go and look at them. You can download them. You can go through the training. It's all available, right? And so Amazon will ask a question like, hey, tell me a time where you went the extra mile to solve a problem for a customer. Hmm. Okay. And that's a really great question because you get an example of this person's behavior, how they think about things, how they identified that it was an issue, why they thought, or if they thought it was important to solve it for the customer, right? It shows the problem solving ability that person had, their ability to execute it, their ownership ability, right? In just that one question, right? And so when you go to Amazon through an interview process, they don't ask you about your resume. Okay. You don't go down and say, hey, tell me what you did this job, right? It is, tell me what you did in this scenario. And after they go through this and you get questioned from, you know, whoever's in the interview loop, it is typically a panel environment. They get together and people will vote and say, yes, this person's got the capabilities or not. Hmm. And they're all designed ultimately around innovation. One of them specifically for innovation, but they look at this from all different aspects, ownership, customer obsession, et cetera. So there's a lot of ways you can start asking questions that way. Hmm, that's good. That's great. Great suggestion. Is this just basically you can go directly on Amazon's website or how, how is that information found? It is not on Amazon's website, but it is out there. You can probably just Google, you know, Amazon interview questions and you'll probably get just a ton of hits, right? I mean, there's been so many thousands upon thousands of people that have gone through these and been asked these questions. They're out there. Guaranteed. So now I'm curious about you as you are working with organizations and helping to help them become successful in your own business, how are you going to be measuring success when you're working with them? With my own business? Well, let's see, how am I working with the client to measure their success or how do I consider success of myself in that engagement? Let's go with the latter in that case. So, so from yourself, how are you going to be measuring success in your own business? And then I'm curious how you're going to be measuring success with your clients as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll try and answer that. So in my own business, you know, as, as I said, I left Amazon only about 18 months or so ago. So I'm still setting up my business, but ultimately for me, what I find to be my measurement of success in business is, am I having an impact and am I enjoying what I'm doing? Right. And this is different than I used to think because, you know, over my entire career, I've been in technology for ages. My goal was pretty simply cash compensation, right? Financial reward. That's what changed when I left during COVID because I said, you know what? I've been pursuing this for years. I've done these things at Amazon. I've impacted people and how they get deliveries or Alexa or whatever across the globe. 
I want something more. And so that means how can I help people and have an impact? And since I think that innovation is so critical and there's so much in the future that's going to be impacting people and organizations, I figure what I can make the most impact at is helping them learn these skills, right? Mm. And so if I'm doing it, be it talking to students or governments or executives or whoever, I measure it by how impactful can I be? Am I increasing that every month? And am I enjoying what I'm doing? And that's pretty much it, right? Of course, I need to make a living. And so there's some cash in there somewhere, but that's not the primary thing at all. I make way less now than I did when I was at Amazon. Yep. Okay. And so then now let's go to the client side. How are you going to be, you know, here from kind of beginning to end, how are you going to be measuring success with working with whether you're speaking or impact? I know that's part of what you're saying, but how are you going to be measuring that impact with potential clients or existing clients that you have? Yeah, I think it is helping them meet their goals and grow generally, right? Now that applies differently. You know, I, I did a, I, let's see, since I mentioned it a minute ago, this, I did a big presentation for executives and government, okay? And it all was about innovation. And I followed up with a sponsor a couple of weeks afterward and just to kind of do the, the post speaking, you know, feedback and, and whatnot. And he said, you know what, Trent, out of the, and all the speakers you, we had that week, you were the only presentation that people have talked about once they came back to the office. And not only that, they now actually talk about it in regular conversations. They brought it back to other employees. They talk about innovation, right? And so that is exactly what I want to hear because people are taking it back. I mean, I, I go to conferences as well. And a lot of times it's kind of in one ear and out the other, right? So people taking it back, that's one thing. I've got a startup helping them get their funding, right? So they get their funding and they start that first step to grow. Large companies, are they able to actually show returns from their innovation program, right? I did a very large company. We benchmarked them against all these other large companies in their space and said, these are some key changes you probably should make. So after a year or two years, did they make the changes? And have they seen the positive results, right? And so that measurement's going to change depending on the exact nature of each engagement because every customer is in a different spot, right? When it comes to innovation. Perfect. All right. So let's go to the personal side. And I'm always curious where we're high performers and achievers like yourself. What type of habits have you done consistently to help you perform at a high level? Yeah, boy, I think that what I do now, I think it's changed, right? And so when I was Amazon, it was work 24 hours a day, right? More <laughs> or less. And, and that's not sustainable. That's not healthy, right? But that was the approach. And again, that's one of the reasons that I, I left. Now I focus a lot more on mental health and being happy and enjoying what I'm doing. And so like every day, I typically take two walks with my dog, walk five miles or so a day, you know, where I'm able to sit and reflect enjoy what's going on around me, I try and take time for vacations. And, you know, I feel fortunate to be able to go out and do that. I go camping, hiking, backpacking out in nature, things like that. And in Seattle, it's a beautiful place. And so getting out and being able to enjoy that, that's probably it. I, I'm not somebody who's like, you know, I, I wake up at 5.30, have a, a, you know, green smoothie, go to the gym, then do yoga. I, I don't do all those things. I try to play to, to balance my happiness, impact, finances, all together, right? So hopefully that's a good enough answer. No, it is. And I really appreciate that. I think one of the things that people who have been regular is listening to the show, 
there is so many different ways, right, to create good habits. And I think what's important is is finding the habits to help reach towards what your mission you're trying to accomplish, right? And in previous guests we had was like, even though they were doing more and they didn't share with it on the show, they were like, I just drank lots of coffee to keep up, <laughs> to stay awake. You know, it's kind of the concept. But then we have other people, like you said, they do the 530 and they're doing their smoothies and exercise and meditation and yoga, et cetera. And, and then you have others that are are doing, they're trying to be more well-balanced and which I think leads to, if you were to say that bigger question and maybe not put words in your mouth, if you put the big circle around it, are you, do you have a measure today of how you're measuring success in your personal life? You know, yeah, similar to what I just said, but, you know, Clayton Christensen, since you, you brought him up, he wrote a book, how to measure, how to measure your life, I think is actually what it's called. You know, it's again, in the innovation space talks about all these things, but it is really, what is your purpose? Are you making progress against it? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that is important because my purpose used to be more about money, right? Now it is about quality of life and helping the world be a better place. Right. So I focus on that. How do I measure it? Am I making that am making an impact in a positive way? I think innovation, again, also a little bit from Clayton Christensen, is what actually provides a lot of the social justice value in the world, right? Because ultimately, the more value you're generating, it will end up going to your communities, right? And that provides a little bit of the, the lift all boats thing. And so the more people that I can help, the better. And that's my kind of personal mission, right? And so doing that and hopefully getting paid for it, you know? Sounds great. Being able to go spend time in nature, that, that's it. So if I'm doing well at it, then I feel successful. If I'm not feeling too anxious or worried or, or whatever else, that, that's it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Once again, really appreciate the insight. So we've had a few mentions of different books, but I always like to ask our guests, what is a book that you think would, might have a substantial impact on their life? What, what book would you recommend? Well, I mentioned a couple, but one that I really like right now is by Cesar Keller, and it is Non-Human Intelligence. It's about AI, and he's a, a local author here in Seattle. He's going to be coming to this meetup group that I'm doing in a couple of weeks to be a, a panelist for us. And it's about AI. And the reason why I really like this book is it's not the dystopian view. He's taken the perspective that with AI now coming to the forefront and being used broadly, it's going to release, release really a new renaissance for humanity. Because, hey, when all of these tasks that are very routine go away and can be handled by automated systems, that leaves us to have more free time, more pleasure, more relaxation than we've ever had in the history of the world. So he thinks of it in a very positive way with a lot of really good examples. So I, I think anybody who's really kind of thinking about AI right now, how does it impact them? What's going to happen? It's really worth a read because again, it's not the whole negative thing where people are very worried about AI. Now, not to say he's not worried. He does have some current concerns, particularly around regulatory issues, but we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, super, once again, super fascinating time, Trent, especially with innovation, as you talked about, your your own pivot, right, to help adopt and make sure that people are aware of how AI is going to make a difference with what they're doing. How can people connect and learn more about you? Uh, look me up on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way. I post a lot of stuff there. Feel free to connect. I've got a website. My website is d1innovation.com. 
go to that. Anybody can book a meeting with me. I have a big link right at the top, free 30-minute meetings. Get in touch that way or email me at trent at d1innovation.com. Trent, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you guest on, on the Measure Success podcast. Thank you so much. Of course. I am so glad to be here. All the best. And to everyone else who is listening, we appreciate you. And for listening, we appreciate the comments that you provide on a regular basis. If you want to reach out to 40 Strategy, you can go ahead and send an information to admin at 40strategy.com to get more information. And we also encourage you to do your post, your guest ratings. And, and if, by doing that, the, the listeners, we totally helps us get the great guests that we have with Trent. Trent helped. You know, we, we, a lot of our guests are coming to us today because of the value we're providing out in the marketplace. And we hope you as whatever you're doing, we hope you appreciate that, whether you're an entrepreneur, CEO, or you're aspiring to get involved in any of those types of activities and also learning, of course, how to measure success. So to all, to all of you, wishing you the very best and measuring your success, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes. Oh,